This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. We've got our take cannons loaded and ready. ready. Absolutely dominant on deep routes. Absolutely dominant on short the routes. boys are back, baby. Excellent separation against man coverage. This is Reception Reception the Show. What's cracking, everybody? James Kell, Matt Harmon here with you. Episode number two of the Reception Perception podcast. Matt, how you doing, pal? James, I'm doing good. Uh, I'm back from Florida. Great trip uh, to the great state of Florida. Florida, man. Matt Harmon. Uh, yeah, well, if you're watching the show on YouTube or any of the, the clips, which you should go check out with the individual sessions on my YouTube page, you'll see I've got a, a little bit, a little bit of pink. Uh, to me, but that just means I've been on vacation. That just means I had a the last little bit of summer fun before the season officially, the tidal wave comes and washes us over. And, uh, you know, we don't see any other friends or family until maybe January, February. But um, I, I keep saying it. I'm, I'm so excited about this year. I'm so excited about this season, yeah. not just because of all the wide receiver movement. But, you know, James, I actually we're taking us off 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 topic here for a second, but I very early, very early, but okay, well, it's go. on topic. It's about wide receivers. <laughs> okay, um, I looked at, okay. I looked at this last week when uh, doing my wide receiver preview for Yahoo before going to Florida and 19 of the top 40 wide receivers in Yahoo's ADP will be catching passes from a new primary quarterback this year. Wow. That's between <laughs> it's bonkers, right? That's between, crazy. between guys that have changed teams and then guys that have had their quarterbacks change over, you know, there's just right. a ton of wide receiver turnover. We talked about on the first episode and then, and here too, man, it's just, it's wild. And so I think this whole season is going to be so fun to see how all these situations play out. Can we start on Justin Jefferson? Because I've been trying to tell people, listen, you got to get Mike Zimmer's boomer ass offense out of your mind, you know, because we we've grown accustomed to it. We, we've become, it's like, we're used to it. We're used to seeing that purple and we're used to thinking, okay, there's rosy cheeked, you know, Mike Zimmer on the sideline <laughs> calling run plays every single down. No, that's not going to be the case here. Brand new coaching staff there in Minnesota. Yeah, brand new coaching staff. And you mentioned it, the Boomer offense with Mike Zimmer. They were not, they weren't running out of like progressive formations, right? I mean, I think the thing here that's going to be so different between the coaching staffs that were around uh, the the Kubiak bros, uh, actually father and son, so I shouldn't say Kubiak bros, (laughs) but the Kubiak contingent. And then even like Kevin Stefanski before that, um, they were running a lot of like two tight end sets, not a lot of 11 personnel looks. So Justin Jefferson, I think, is going to be moved around the formation more. You know, he's talked about playing in like a sort of Cooper Cup role. We talked about Cooper Cup on the first episode, how much he has. 
I still think it's the most unique role in the entire NFL, what Cooper Cup does from a wide receiver standpoint. And look, you know, I, I don't think that Justin Jefferson is going to be in a full Cooper Cup type of alignment. You know, I don't think he's going to be doing no. the same sort of stuff from a run game perspective that um, Cooper Cup has done throughout the course of his career. You know, that being said, he can still be schemed into more layup looks, right? That's the difference between Cooper Cup and some of these other receivers. Cooper Cup's run against zone coverage so often. He's been able to get away from press coverage so often through the course of his career. And I think we'll see a lot of that with Justin Jefferson this year. You know, Kevin O'Connell is the new head coach for the Vikings coming over from the right. Rams coaching tree. Um, man, I think it's a huge difference for the entire offense, right? But Justin Jefferson is a, is a full-blown superstar. So we might – this is what's so crazy about uh, I, we, Cooper Cup uh, coming into last year. You know, nobody had him as a as a top three receiver in the game. Now, if you make a top no. three receiver NFL list, people are coming for your ass if you don't have Cooper Cup. Right. That's the difference that a bump like in quarterback play or bump in scheme can do for a receiver. You know, we might know at reception perception and, and our, our subscribers might know just how good these guys are isolated from quarterback play. But, you know, folks around the NFL, even even like diehard NFL fans, it's tough to separate the quarterback play and the wide receiver play and the system and the wide receiver play. You know, you mentioned Justin Jefferson not getting an upgrade at quarterback, but it is an upgrade at the in the play calling standpoint. But, man, I, Justin Jefferson, does he even need it? Like he's already he's already a full blown star to me. He is. Uh, there's no doubt about it. You know, I, I think for me, when I look at Justin Jefferson and you look at his new surroundings there. OK, Kevin O'Connell, fine. 30. What is he? 37 years old. Yeah. 37 years old is Kevin O'Connell. And then the OC there is now the son of the son of bum. And we're talking about Wes Phillips, a third generation NFL coach. My God. Wow. Um, but but we're talking about two guys with Kevin O'Connell and Wes Phillips. They're both quarterbacks, right? Or yeah. former quarterbacks. They played the quarterback position. So Kevin O'Connell was drafted like not that long ago in the third round by the I Patriots. Know, I mean, he, I know. He, did, crazy. he did nothing in the NFL. He, he washed out of the no. league. But um, yeah, he was like one of the young guys that Brady Thanos like years ago at this point. <laughs> Just 37 years old, man. I mean, that is impressive. But no, the bottom line is they're going to throw this damn ball around. Do you know what I'm saying? Outside of Cooper Cup, I don't I do not have a wide receiver ranked ahead of Justin Jefferson in fantasy football and that bleeds over into the real world too, you know? Like you can make a case that Justin Jefferson might end up being the best, just the best receiver in football, period, period. I'm not, I'm not even talking about fantasy. I'm talking about real right. life too. He might end up being the best receiver in football in 2022 when all is said and done. That's how high I am on this new system coming in, into place and then moving Justin Jefferson around and potentially using him in, in an offensive scheme that could be a little bit more creative than last year. Totally agree. Um, so let's dive into some of the RP metrics for Justin Jefferson that showed just how good he is. And I think, you know, you talk about him potentially being considered as the best receiver in football at the end of this year um, and how he kind of already has an argument to be among that group anyways. 
some of the RP right. metrics on Justin Jefferson. He now owns multiple top 20 seasons all time in success rate versus press coverage at 82.3% and 82.8% mm. in his first two years. At a 78% success rate versus man coverage and clearing 85% success rate versus zone, he's entered some rarefied air now in his second season. These are some of the other three players to hit the, or excuse me, these are some of the other players to approach all three of those benchmarks in RP history. Stefan Diggs, Michael Thomas, Odell Beckham, Antonio Brown, and Devontae Adams, who I think right now is is still the best receiver in football. But like that's some incredible all-time company for Justin yeah. Jefferson. And he's in his second season, man. Like that's the thing that's here. What's, that's what's so crazy. I don't think he has a <laughs> so I don't think he has a hole in his game, Justin Jefferson. I think he is a like he had so, he had a few moments last year where he he dropped the ball too much, but we know that's like kind of fluky and not sticky year to year. Um, he wasn't right. great in contested situations last year, but he was great as a rookie. I just think from a separation standpoint, from a route running standpoint, he's already one of the best players in the NFL. Period. Right now, I mean, I think if you're right, if you're drafting like a, a hypothetical team to like line up on Sundays. I'm not talking about a fantasy team. I think Justin Jefferson is going to be one of the most valuable non quarterbacks in the NFL because he's already that good in his second year. And I think his third year could really be the year where he establishes himself as an elite player. If he isn't there already. And I, I kind of think, you know, based on 78% success rate versus man, that's a 94th percentile score. I think he's already in that group anyways. Yeah. I mean, you talk about, you know, those benchmarks you're talking about, you know, 78% success rate versus man, you know, 85% success rate versus zone coverage. There's only in last year. And again, you charted what uh, 60, no 56 wide receivers uh, that I've got in front of me. We, we got more guys dropping soon, but 56 right in front of me here, uh, just one of four players yeah. to be able to clear those benchmarks, right? So, and it's Devontae Adams, Stefan Diggs, and a man we will talk about. How about just, let's just get into it right now. Deontay Johnson. <laughs> My God. You know, I w- Deontay Johnson continues to be a very confounding player for me because I'm with you. Obviously, everything you kind of see on Sundays, everything you see in terms of the game tape, it's like, yo, This dude's good. Yeah. Like just straight up good. Like you don't need to put any qualifiers on it, but people put qualifiers on it all the damn time. You know, it's like, oh, well, he's a byproduct of a system. He he's a byproduct of a Hall of Fame quarterback. And it's like, bruh, if if anything, he was dragging Big Ben's old ass, you know, for, for the past couple of seasons, my guy. Like, Deontay Johnson is a bad boy. Yeah. Um, I actually had a really good debate with about Deontay Johnson with Evan Silva on the established to run pad podcast a couple of months ago. And, you know, he's like, I hadn't even really considered that big Ben might've been the one holding Deontay Johnson back. Yes. And I think that that's not kind of the mainstream thought, at least maybe in fantasy circles, because, you know, folks think that like, there's this, I'm not going to get on like my, um, soapbox about wide receiver stats, or at least maybe I'll put like, I'll put one foot, I'll okay. put one foot on it. You know, I'll put one foot on the all soapbox. Right, I won't right. fully get on it, but every single stat that wide receivers uh, accumulate yards, touchdowns, catches, all that stuff. But even like average depth of target yards per target, all the things that we think are like a more advanced wide receiver stats, that stuff is all like the quarterback bleeds into that. That the quarterback is a huge variable. I think average depth of target is sometimes a player's stat, 
but it's oftentimes like a quarterback stat, not fully, you know, is, is some of these guys aren't suddenly going to become, you know, they're not going to go from five to 15 most likely or something like that. For a guy like Deontay Johnson, who's had a rather low average depth of target, what do you, why do you think he might have had a lower average depth of target? Have you watched the Steelers exactly. offense over the last couple exactly. of years? One of the, exactly. the the most hopeless play in football last year was Chase Claypool getting targets on go routes on the outside from Ben Roethlisberger because uh, some of us a Chase Claypool problem, but a lot of that's a Ben Roethlisberger problem. So they were using Deontay in this way, like these pop gun routes, these Mickey Mouse routes in order to just get the ball in his hands and kind of keep the offensive moving. And honestly, Ben is such a limiting factor because there's so much that he just won't even do. Like he won't go under center. He won't do play action under center. He won't turn his back to the defense. He's not doing any of that like pre-snap motion stuff that Matt Canada's offense actually really likes to do. So I think whether the quarterback situation is better or not in Pittsburgh is like a, a question to be asked. But I think the f- fact that Ben was so limiting as a quarterback is a, is a huge talking point that doesn't get mentioned enough. But yeah, when you isolate Deontay Johnson through reception perception, the guy gets open at all three levels. Like he didn't go under the NFL average success rate on any route last year. He was at a 90. That's he crazy. was first. That's crazy. I know. Right. Like, and that's the thing. And, and if you just look at his, route success or route percentage chart like he's not just running little pop gun routes like he's running go routes a decent amount. he's running down the field more often than you think and I think that's the key with Deontay Johnson like he might not have the raw targets that he had last year going forward like 160 150 plus but if he's at like 140 and they're coming in like the intermediate area as opposed to just like these little screens these little quick drag routes stuff like that that's a win for me I, I think he's a legitimate well, I, he might not be a legitimate number one receiver, but he's right on that bench. Like he's right on that benchmark from a success rate versus coverage perspective. He's he's really really good. He gets open against all forms of coverages. He was number one in success rate versus zone in 2020 and number two in 2021. So uh, he just to me is a really really good player that I don't think gets enough credit uh, publicly. You know, just again using reception perception data, man. There's you can't talk about your top five wide receivers using analytics without talking about Deontay Johnson. He's in that conversation. And I tell you what, he is not just top five, like he is cemented in the top five in my mind. And again, you go back to your success rate um, on, on different routes. He, you know, third highest success rate on the slant route. He had the highest success rate that you charted on curl routes and the highest on post routes. And, and that post route to me, I thought was an interesting one, right? Cause this is again, a deeper route uh, that you will generally see. And he was extremely successful, you know, going up and over the top. So listen, number three on the dig as well. So short intermediate, you know, long, the dude's doing it all. You talk about a success rate versus man coverage versus zone coverage. Where does this get, where, where does he have a hole in his game? Show me. I don't see it. I, I do not see it with Deontay Johnson. I think folks will talk about his ball skills for sure. He, he, he's had some yeah, he's, the drops. He's had uh, some drop issues yeah. here and there. Um, you know, it, last year, but, but, la- but last year was fine. Yeah. La- last year was fine. Yeah. yeah I think it, it just, came, there, there were a couple moments like in the playoffs where it came back to bite them in big moments, but that does stuff does is not sticky year over year. Like we've said, and he really worked on that a lot. Um, and this is another thing too, like Ben would, throw the ball to Deontay he'd drop the ball and then he'd go right back to him you know he'd go right back to him the, on yeah. the next play um so I right. I think that's just that's a mark of of skill um the, the one thing I'll say too 
Chase Claypool was terrible last year. He was I, people um, give me a lot of feedback, James, that I'm too positive. Yeah. Um. And <laughs> you are you. To be fair, you are pretty positive. You know, you're you're you tend to see on the you know the rosier side of things. You know what I mean? Yeah, maybe only when it comes to wide receivers. Um, <laughs> but when I when the two most underperforming players last year in reception perception were without question Chase Claypool and Kenny Galladay, just terrible last year in isolation, Awful, right? Especially Chase Claypool. I think Claypool is going to move into a big slot role, like the preseason kind of confirms that, and that's good news for Claypool. I think he needs to play in that type of role going forward to, to be successful. George Pickens, man, George Pickens, though, he's good. He, he's going to be really good. Third in success rate versus press coverage among the prospects charted. Um, I think he's got a chance to mix this receiver core up. And, like, in a couple of years, like, we might be talking about a 1A, 1B type of situation with Deontay Johnson um, because I think Pickens can Ooh, be that good. Wow. I mean, and let's be real here. There's no better team in the NFL at scouting wide receivers than the Pittsburgh Steelers. So, listen, if they spent decent draft capital on Pickens, I don't care what any of the numbers say. I'll, I'm going to trust the process, okay? And the Steelers are so good at finding wide receivers. Randomly, the one guy they like really whiffed on was like James Washington, and he's like a Bolitnikoff winner. I know. You know what I'm that kind of so, funny? Like, well, they had they did take so Sammy Coates kind of high that one, the one year when there was oh that's right a ton of good uh, receiver prospects or at least a decent group of guys, and and Sammy Coates was not good ev like ever and was never going to work out so. That was a tough look. But you, 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 I mean, you think about like the their later round picks, you know, like Antonio Brown, yeah. I, even Deontay Johnson, you know, to a degree. It was a third. It's, it's just they they just been so good at, at finding wide receivers. So man, I'm gonna trust that process right there. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hey, Rob Bradford here. I have set out on a mission with my good friends at FanDuel to prove what I have known for some time. Baseball isn't boring. Now I have a daily podcast to prove it with some of the most notable people in the baseball world screaming baseball isn't boring from the mountaintops or at least agreeing to come on our show. Players, managers, GMs, and yes, even the commissioner of baseball, Rob Manfred. It has been a constant wave of baseball's most powerful voices. So join the revolution. Subscribe and soak in baseball isn't boring. Listen on your Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. You'll be glad you did. Perception, perception, the show now. James Cole and Matt Harmon. Bonafide superstar, uh, Tyreek Hill. I had an opportunity to talk to him uh, this offseason uh, with my work with Fan Control Football, and he is an absolute ball of energy. If people think that you're too positive, like this man was oh. just, it was all gas, all hype, and he's try been trying to do this all offseason, uh, almost to his detriment, talking yeah. about Tua. We all know we all got brains, we all got eyeballs, and we all know that it's a huge, you know, downgrade going from Patrick Mahomes to Tua. So the question becomes: You take those, and again, this is perfect, right? Because you take those the, that that those lenses off, Matt, and that's what reception perception does. It isolates wide receiver play outside of a quarterback and outside of a system. Okay, so now what does the data tell you about Tyreek Hill? What does he bring to South Beach? 
Did you perhaps during your time talking to Tyreek Hill get to ask him whether he's ever heard of the phrase under promise and over deliver? <laughs> he doesn't believe in that, dude. Let me just tell you right now, he don't believe in that at all. <laughs> no, uh, it's been clear when he's been talking about Tua throughout this offseason that it's putting a lot of pressure on Tua. You know, it would be one thing if he's like, I'm not worried about Tua. Like, I think he's really good. But he's like, no, he's actually the most average. Uh, he's actually the, mm. I almost said average, like slip of the Freudian slip there. But he's Dude, totally. he's actually the most accurate. <laughs> <laughs> totally. <laughs> Talk about oh, being inside my own God. head there. But um, no, actually, what Tyree Kill wants us to know <laughs> is that Tua is the most accurate quarterback in the NFL. We, we just don't know it yet. Right. So um, I, I don't think so. I, I disagree with Tyreek Hill on that evaluation. But um, look, from a, from a, from an isolation standpoint, you're right. Tyreek Hill's an incredible receiver. 83rd percentile success rate versus man last year, 93rd percentile success rate versus press. And that's interesting too, because I think there's a really, I can't wait to see the marriage of, you know, Jalen Waddle and, and Tyreek Hill from a wide receiver duo right. perspective, because there was a right. lot of situations over the last couple of years where the chiefs have used Tyree kill as a speed slot receiver. I don't think that's going to happen very much this year. You know, 44% of his, his snaps were inside in his reception perception sample, Tyree kill 47.3% for Jalen Waddle. I'm kind of expect if I had to pick between the two, I think Jalen Waddle is a really good player. I think, Tyree kills an elite wide receiver. Like I think he's a top five guy right now. So I think you probably play Tyree kill more outside as an X receiver and his success rate versus press would show you he can handle that. Like if he's going to line up as a true X, a true number one there on the outside, he can absolutely handle that. I think he's been a really great, just a, this is one of the RP success stories was Tyree kill coming into his second season. There was a lot of debate. Like, was this guy the next Tavon Austin? Was he the next um, Cordero Patterson because he was just a gadget guy? And, like, RP has shown throughout the course of Tyreek Hill's career, including that rookie season, that he's a really underrated route runner. So I think he's going to bring a lot to Miami from that perspective. And really, this is going to be one of the most interesting offenses to watch in the NFL, I think. I mean, how this all meshes together because from a fantasy angle you know people are still drafting Tyreek Hill as a top 10 receiver off the board people are still taking Jalen Waddle as like a fringe top 15 top 17 receiver right it's kind of tough to make the math work on that right (laughs) yeah no you're totally right like explain to me and again uh we go back to these teams where look you you got to get like last year's offense out of your mind and it's hard to do i understand that it, it is very difficult to do uh but you have to understand new coaching staff there in miami we've got an offensive minded head coach versus a defensive minded head coach in brian flores right so now for me that's gonna completely revamp like how this team views itself they've got jalen waddle okay they've got uh tyree kill we, we didn't even talked about fake tight end mike Kosicki. Uh, a good pass catcher. Hey, he even well. admitted it he's, too during the preseason. Like when he he's been playing into the fourth quarter of these games, <laughs> and like for reception perception, I, I don't ever want to hear a tight end ever say this. Like if you've got te next to your name, you're a tight end. Shut up and leave me alone. I'm not charting any tight ends. <laughs> this goes out to all the Kyle Pitts folks out there. If you're welcome to the podcast, I'm not going to be yeah. any less combative about this. Uh, but that I'm not charting Kyle Pitts like Mike Gusecki out there saying, yeah, I'm, I'm playing deep into the preseason because I'm learning a new position. I played receiver the last few years. I'm playing tight end now. It's like, OK, 
don't say don't say that publicly. Don't don't say that, dude. But it is, but it is, <laughs> but it is a um, it it does make sense, right? This is a huge overhaul from what the previous coaching staff was doing with um Mike Gusecki, tight end Mike Gusecki, tight end Mike Gusecki. Yes, but he wasn't fake tight end. He wasn't really doing a lot of tight end stuff. Now he is legitimately playing like inline tight end and dating back to college, you know, he's never been that guy. So I think it just shows that this coaching staff probably not invested in Mike Gusecki long-term this offense with Mike McDaniel. If they, if they are more of a traditional, you know, 49ers Shanahan based offense, they're going to be running more West coast stuff. They're going to be a bit more run heavy. Um, and, and that also makes the math tough, tough to work out with these guys. They also paid yeah. Cedric Wilson, a, a decent amount of money. And he's like, was a slot receiver for, um, the Cowboys. They also have a rookie, um, that, that they drafted this year on day three. So this team is just, it's one of the most difficult projections, uh, in the NFL. And, and I, like really James, like how good is Tua in a best case scenario? Where do you think Tua can fall? Cause I, I know how I feel, but how do you feel? I mean, listen, if anyone has followed me at any length, they know that I've said since day one, he's not it. Um, and, and it's weird too, because, um, you know, uh, Dave Chappelle says Twitter's not a real place. And, and I get that, you know, and, and it really applies <laughs> to certain football players. You know, it's like, listen, if you go on Twitter, Twitter's rooting hard for Tua, you know, some um, factions, some, there's like a whole, there's like a whole se- segment of dolphins fans. I think people joke and call them Tua non cause they're so, um, <laughs> at least I've heard, I've it. heard a few folks call it that cause they, they're it. so in the bag I for Tua. It. I know. And it's crazy. Right. Um, and it's like, but at the end of the day, it's like, you know, I, I didn't need to watch him play more than probably a handful of games before I'm like, yeah, he just, he doesn't have it. Look at the end of the day, he doesn't pull the trigger and you just cannot do that at the NFL. If you see it, you got to throw it, man. You know, you can't double pump. You can't hesitate Tua does way too much of that. And I don't know how, even from a schematic standpoint, like how do you coach that out of a guy? You know, that's instincts right there, right? So, like, how do you coach instincts? Like, I don't know. Now, that being said, they have done literally everything, Matt, to help support this guy. Mm-hmm. You know, you draft Jalen Waddle, you bring in Tyreek Hill, um, and then and then they address their offensive line this offseason as well. Taron Armstead, Connor Williams. You look at who they brought in at the running back room, okay? Like Chase Edmonds, great pass catching running back too, right? So there's just so many, you know, guys to be able to catch the damn ball. <laughs> from Tua, he's got to get it done this year. And there's absolutely no excuses this year for Tua. There's just not. So I think when you look at um, just the the Bengals over, or sorry, the Bengals, I, there's another slip for me. I, I think when you look at Tua overall, <laughs> he reminds me, of, the player comparison I've given is, is like prime Andy Dalton. And um, I know that sounds super slanderous now. The, 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 the Tua backers hate that, but um, that's because... Andy Dalton has sort of been made into a, a meme, you know, like the, yeah. the uh, thank the bears for that when they put him as the QB one deal, when they signed him, you know, and, and then they started him over Justin Fields, even though nobody wanted them to do that. They've really, th- that's kind of skewed how we, how we should view Andy Dalton who had some years, right? Like 2013 to 2015, when he was surrounded by really good talent, right. Andy Dalton was a, 
pretty good quarterback. Like he was um, our late great friend, Chris Wessling used to call him the pri- like the prime meridian of NFL quarterbacks. Like if you were, <laughs> if you were worse, you're better than if him? you were better yeah. than Andy Dalton, you were a franchise quarterback. You had an answer yeah. at quarterback. If you were worse than Andy Dalton, you had a quarterback problem. Like you needed to find a That's new right. guy. And I think that Tua could, I think he could be that um, in a, in a best case scenario, I think he could be that prime meridian of NFL quarterbacks. And at that time, like 2013 Bengals, AJ Green caught 98 passes for 1,400 yards and scored 11 touchdowns. Right. Marvin Jones had 700 yards and 10 yeah, touchdowns. Buddy. Your boy, Marvin Jones, 2013. In 2015, you know, and again, the Bengals like had good teams during this stretch of time. You know, the right. in 2015, AJ Green, 86 catches, 1,200 yards, 10 touchdowns, 100 targets for Marvin Jones, 800 yards, four touchdowns. Tyler Eifert caught 13 touchdowns. Tyler Eifert. Like, yes. When, <laughs> when Andy Dalton had boys around him, yeah. man, like he played really well. And I think Tua right. could play really well because of these two guys around him. But like, again, I, I kind of think that's the best case scenario for um, Tua's career is that he becomes like the prime meridian of NFL quarterbacks. And I think there's a chance that he could be a little bit worse than that if he's I th- you know, don't you think I think there's that's part of the range of outcomes, too? Yeah, for sure. I, I think the thing about Andy Dalton, though, that he was obviously a little bit more statuesque uh, than Tua. Tua can, he, he's got some wheels, although he just he doesn't want to use them, which is very strange to me as well. He's got the Mariota uh, syndrome know, I, there, like early career Mariota syndrome. Does. Man, does he ever, boy. Um, you know, I've always I, actually when I when I look at him, I think at his peak, Tua can maybe be a an Andy Reid version of Alex Smith. Hmm. Um, that's kind of how I see it. Remember, Al- by the way, remember Alex Smith could get out the pocket too. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I don't know, man. It's, Alex Smith had a good, great year with Tyree kill in 2017 when he was the Alex sure freaking Smith was the best deep ball passer in the NFL that year that with Tyree kill. Like, but of course that was Tyree kill a few years ago. I don't think there's any sign he's dropping off as a player, <laughs> but still like there's a chance this marriage could work. I just think. I think there's a chance we get to week six and, you know, maybe the dolphins look really fun and exciting. I also think there's a chance we get to week six and it's like, oof, this is, this Um, is not working quickly. Just, just to kind of button uh, this conversation, put a button on this conversation around Tyree kill. He was top 10 in success rate versus man and top seven in success rate versus zone to kind of give you an idea of, and again, these numbers are independent of quarterback play. All right. Um, and so for me, Tyreek Hill still has that juice, man, and uh, and obviously a great player in his own right. Very excited to see uh, what he can do in Miami. That's for sure. Hey, everyone, this is Brett Boone. Would you know it? I've got a podcast going strong in our fourth year. Tune in as I sit down with my friends, some of the biggest names in sports, media, entertainment, for a lot of fun and in-depth conversations. As you know, baseball's been my life. It's been in the family for a long time, but it's a lot more than that here. It's sort of like taking a ride in a golf cart around a beautiful track. Join me every week for multiple episodes on the Brett Boone Podcast, available on the Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. It's Reception Perception, the show now. James Cole and Matt Harmon. All right, let's talk about Rashad Bateman here in Baltimore because, oh man, uh, no Hollywood Brown now. And it looks like Rashad Bateman's going to be the guy. I guess the question now becomes, 
Is he the guy? Does he have that skill set, Matt Harmon, to basically be that dominant X outside X receiver? Uh, yes, I feel very strongly that Rashad Bateman is a good player. Um, I think last year, one thing we have to remember with, with Rashad Bateman, because I know the box score scouts are not going to, they're not going to love what they saw from Rashad Bateman last year from a box score standpoint. Um, by the yes. way, the, the box score scouts didn't love what they saw from Michael Pittman as a rookie <laughs> and Michael Pittman right. went 80 plus catches right. for a thousand yards because the box score scouts don't love, uh, they, they don't take context into effect <laughs> when they only look at the box score. Michael Pittman <laughs> got hurt in the off season. He got hurt early in his, in his rookie camp never got on the same page or it took a long time for him to get on the same page with old man, Philip rivers before he started showing some right. signs last year. Right. Um, Rashad Bateman, same thing. He got hurt in training camp with when, when Lamar Jackson was out there, you know, dealing with COVID then uh, mm-hmm. Lamar Jackson comes back and then Rashad Bateman gets hurt. So really never got a lot of time to get on the same page with um, Lamar Jackson then comes right. back early in his I didn't I there was some frustrating usage with Rashad Bateman last year but I think you could chalk up to that a lot of that is when you're a rookie receiver and you get hurt like right away it's just tough yeah. man to kind of get that time back especially when the rest of the team is moving on like they're moving on to regular season games so I think you have to keep that context in mind when you're talking about Rashad Bateman but man when you isolate him and just look at his route running last year he was a great prospect in RP um, from a, from a collegiate perspective. He was really good last year as a rookie as well. 72.7% success rate versus man that clears that 70% threshold that we want to see from our outside X receivers. Like you said, Michael, again, I'll give the Michael Pittman example. That was kind of the same sort of neighborhood that he was in as a rookie show and showing you like, Oh, there's some sign there. Even if the box score doesn't show it, but man, Rashad Bateman also has like some, um, great success rates versus man. I mean, excuse me, zone coverage, really solid against press coverage as well. I don't think the Ravens have had a receiver like this ever. Um, in the Lamar Jackson era, certainly they've never had like a true X receiver prospect. And really, like, when's the last time, James, the, the Ravens have had a, a potential number one receiver, uh, you know, that, that could that could be that guy? I mean, I like Marquise Brown, but he's a two. Um, you know, dating back to like maybe Torrey Smith. But he never yeah. became that guy, obviously. No. So, no. man, I think Bateman, it, I think he's pretty comparable to a Justin Jefferson type of guy. I think that that was my player wow. comparison I gave out as a prospect. Oh, my gosh. But again, from just a skill set perspective, he separates at every level. He separates on inside routes, outside routes. I just think he's going to make life so much easier for, um, for Lamar Jackson. You talk about the runway being cleared. It's all clear for Rashad Bateman. There is no competition in that wide receiver room, and I think he's just going to be really good this year. Hey, listen, at the end of the day, if you ask me why I was first intrigued, and this is so on brand for me, but like you're talking about a guy that's 6'1", 6'2", 210 pounds. He ran a sub 4440, and the guy absolutely got it done in college. You know what I mean? So um, I am so intrigued by what, Rashad Bateman can bring to the table, but Matt Bateman's great and and he's winning at all levels and he's doing this and he's doing that. He's developing as a young player because he's going into a second year, but will, will it translate? Will he actually put that on the field and give guys 
stats and give us those highlight type plays uh, that we are accustomed to when we're looking at those dominant X receivers. I think so. Cause I think he can win contested, which is like contested catches. That's the difference between him and a guy like Marquise Brown. Like we know, you know, you talk about Rashad Bateman being like six one, like right around two hundred pounds, um, depending when he's weighed in, because he's a guy who um, is kind of his like listed weight has fluctuated a lot at different points. But it has, you know, we'll, we'll say he's like six yeah. one and between one ninety five and two hundred, something like that. But um, he can, it, he's not Marquise Brown sized. Twenty percent of his targets no. in reception perception were a contested catch attempt. He won eighty one point eight percent. That was really, uh, you know, that's a really high number. Again. Ravens haven't had a guy like that in Lamar's uh, tenure there as the starter. Um, and, and I think, too, the Ravens' offense is probably the biggest question. Not Lamar. I think Lamar, from a passing standpoint, can give you enough to get there. I think it's just the design of this offense. We know they're going to be right. relatively run heavy with Lamar under mm -hmm. center. Um, I don't think they're going to go all the way back to the boomer ball like days of, of, of old. I think they'll kind of meet, but they're not going to be like last year, man, where they were, they had Lamar pacing for like almost like 580 pass attempts last year. I, I think they'll kind of come right. around that number maybe, but make, even if you give him 530 attempts, which is what I have Lamar projected for right now, that's more than enough to get Bateman where he needs to go and Mark Andrews where he needs to go. And, and it's just, Matt, they, they had, they had 610 pass attempts last right. year, ninth most in the NFL. That's incredible. Yeah. And again, I don't think they're going to do that this year. I think their defense completely fell apart to end last year. It did. I think it, it will be sort of, well, it never got off the ground. I mean, they were so mm -hmm. injured. They're yeah. so banged up from the word go. Um, that, yeah, you're right. They, they had to play in these high shootout games. Yeah. The key for me with the Ravens offense is what's the health of the running back JK Dobbins. Cause that's been one of like the biggest narrative talking points this off season. Oh, the Ravens are going to get back to running the ball. Cause the, 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 all their running backs got hurt last year and they were running out, you know, freaking Devonta Freeman, Latavius Murray, like Le'Veon Bell had a cup of coffee oh, on this team, that's you know, right. like dust oh, of dust. Oh God. So, and cause they lost JK Dobbins and Gus Edwards right away. Like before week one, yeah, right out the gate. And, yep. um, Gus Edwards not going to be ready for week one though. And JK Dobbins, right. like it's there. The off season reports have been a little murky in his recovery from a rather complicated ACL plus injury. So what's, what's his health going to be like if Gus Edwards not ready? Cause then it's like the rookie Tyler Beatty talk about dust, yeah. Mike Davis, they signed him in the off season. It's so crazy. it's crazy. I don't know that, they but I am intrigued by, but I'm very intrigued by Tyler Beatty though. Yo, okay. I'm He's a rookie shocked. out of Missouri. <laughs> I know what's dude. his 40 time James <laughs> four, four, five. All right. Four, four, five <laughs> out the gates. All right. Listen, this dude, he can play though. I like this kid out of Missouri. I think they did a good job. Uh, Baltimore did in kind of pairing up, you know, JK Dobbins, with uh, Tyler Beatty. And again, and, and when Gus Edwards is healthy, they'll have a, a, a really nice three-headed rotation there um, at the running back position. Gus is going to give you the power. JK kind of gives you a little bit of everything. And Tyler Beatty is going to give you that speed um, on the outside. So if they do run that RPO, linebackers are going to have to you know, pay a little bit more attention to a guy that can get out and scoot. So I'm, I'm, I am actually intrigued. Um, by the run game, and hopefully they are healthy this year. Yeah, hopefully they're healthy, and I just think 
they have they're going to have to be more pass heavy than they were in the early portions of Lamar's career. They're just not going to be as pass heavy as they were right. last year. Like I think they meet in the middle somewhere, and then you're pretty much okay. carving up the passing game. I mean, it's just like Mark Andrews and Rashad Bateman, and there's nothing else That's really it. on this roster. That's that, it. that that I mean, maybe it. Isaiah Likely, the the uh, tight end, has been dicing up preseason and i mean if hey james don't let me tell you yeah. don't look at his athletic measurables isaiah likely because okay. you'll, you'll you'll pluck your <laughs> you'll pluck your eyeballs out you they're they're rough to look at but was a good college player <laughs> who fell in the draft because of his athletic measurables but he's been awesome this preseason i yeah. think they're they re-signed nick boyle like they're gonna be running a lot of two tight end sets and their wide receiver too is like either James Prochet or Devin Duvernay. So yeah, Rashad Bateman going to get a lot of targets this year. And I think going to make a lot of plays. All right, there you go. All right. Final uh, wide receiver on the list here for today. Uh, the great Elijah Moore. I am so, this is a guy I want to get gassed up for, man. Oh, yeah. I, I was, all, I loved Elijah Moore in the pre-draft process. I love the numbers even more when you charted them, um, you know, again, in that pre-draft process as well. And then again, you take a look at the numbers here uh, for reception perception uh, in his rookie season. What did you find? <laughs> Elijah Moore so, so good at football, man. Um, That's what I'm saying. That's what I'm saying. Oh, God. Oh, my God. You, you said it. Loved him as a pre-draft player. Was very high on him. You know, he was a player that a lot of people kind of said was a slot only player because of his size. But I'm like, no, look at the success rate versus man impress from his college profile. I know it was in limited snaps because he did play so much from the slot. Oh, I mean, our, our guy, our guy, Lane Kiffin just pummeled him with targets, man. Just <laughs> targets on targets on targets for, uh, for old Elijah uh-huh. Moore at, at Ole Miss there, man. It was, it was crazy. But, um, I think when you look at him from a pro level player too, he, he pretty much threw that, like slot only designation and kind of threw that in the trash, like right away. Because yeah. when he, oh, when he yeah. was out there, man, he, in his reception perception um, sampled snaps, he was only in the slot on 29.9% of his snaps. He wow. took 72.3 snaps out percent of his snaps outside was on the line of scrimmage on 72.8%. Like he was kind of running out as a pure X receiver last year for this jets hmm. offense. And, the success rate versus coverage data is good, man. 75.2% success rate versus man, 81% success rate versus zone. Good numbers for a rookie. I mean, if you go through the history of reception perception, I, I, it's not okay. it's not good uh, audio quality for me to go here and list off all the guys. But if you go to the historical databases <laughs> on the okay. on the site, there's on the side, baby. There's not a lot of guys that have you know gone over that seventy five percent seventy five percent success rate versus man coverage number and failed. Like there's not a lot of failures there. Um, it, it, when you talk, I'll, I'll go and back look. Like Curtis Samuel is a guy who he, I, I don't. I don't know that Curtis Samuel is is a failure. I think he's just fallen off because of his health at this point. But like he had a good year right. in twenty twenty. You know, he's a guy who was over that number. Sterling Shepard kind of leveled off as an average player in the NFL. Um, Brandon Ayuk, we, I, we you, you know how we feel about Brandon Ayuk. You know what we think we're going to see <laughs> from Brandon Ayuk going forward. Ready to be heard again. Ready Let's to be heard it. again. But if you go over that 75% success rate versus man number, you're pro- you're probably going to be a good player. I mean, there's guys like AJ Green, Antonio Brown, Calvin Ridley. Yeah, you know, just the, the stars of the NFL. John Brown, you know, is I know people hate John Brown, but like he had great years in the NFL. So mm-hmm. that's a great number to see from a rookie. That's like 
potential breakout and if he continues to just progress and move forward from there i just think he's i think he's can be a legit number one receiver i think he's that good just from a separation standpoint it's just what's the quarterback situation like is really the only question here for elijah moore well we had talked about this a little bit before but again i i don't even know if his skill set pairs well with zach wilson i i just i don't you know it, to me it's like he kind of sort of took off when when zach wilson wasn't there yeah i i hear that i mean like there there's some consternation about his quarterback situation. Joe Flacco is going to potentially start week one. He had his best game last year with Joe Flacco, Elijah Moore, 141 yards against the Miami Dolphins, his clear best game of the season. Um, I I don't love that Zach Wilson's like banged up when I kind of think he needs time, you know, to, to continue to develop that. That's probably the most worrying thing. I think if you're betting on Elijah Moore this year, it's kind of like a close your eyes and bet on talent move with Elijah Moore, but good Lord, uh-huh. man, the, the talent is good. The talent is so good with Elijah Moore. He can win at all three levels, can beat man, can beat zone. Huh. I, and he can beat press coverage too. Like we said, as an outside X receiver, 70th percentile success rate versus press coverage last year. I, I, I just think he's so good at, at the game, man. And I, at some point he's going to have a major season. I'd always rather be early than late on a guy like that. All right. So right now it's, um, you know, I think if you follow Jets Twitter, I, you know, it's always kind of sort of the shiny new object syndrome, right? But uh, they take a look at, um, at Garrett Wilson and say, okay, well, uh, may, maybe it's, maybe Elijah Moore is that more of a, you know, flanker slot guy. Um, and they've got a real stud there um, opposite him in the draft this year. I, I don't know. Do you buy that? Cause I'm kind of sort of not there yet, dude. You know what no. I mean? I think, I think there's a lot to be seen uh, with the rookie at Ohio state. Yeah. I like Garrett Wilson. Um, I think he could probably be a better year two guy or like a later in his rookie season type of guy. It's a funny thing about the jets, man, is you don't say this about the New York jets very often, but they're kind of loaded from um from just an offensive perspective they beefed up yeah, the Corey davis doesn't fall off you know yeah. i think i think they have an interesting you know at least core of pass catchers for sure yeah i say loaded uh, you know loaded with guys like loaded with some names i think Corey davis is probably a, a number three receiver at this point ideally um i think he's probably like an average nfl receiver but the jets haven't been like oh our wide receiver three might be average in a long time and like wide receiver <laughs> four is braxton barrios and I right. think Braxton Berrios is kind of good. Like I think he can, if, as like a role playing slot receiver and Zach no Wilson doubt. and Braxton Berrios, like they wear each other's names on each other's shirts and stuff. Like they, they <laughs> love, they love each other. If you draft Elijah Moore this year in fantasy, like be prepared to be pissed at, um, at Braxton Berrios when he siphons off like 500, 400 yards from everybody else or whatever. But they also beefed up the tight end room with CJ Uzama, with um, Tyler Conklin. They drafted another tight right. end too. They drafted another running back. They, they go too deep there with Brees Hall and Michael Carter. So that's another thing too with the, the Elijah Moore thing is this is not really an offense where you can project a dominant target share for Elijah Moore, but the drum beat in the offseason has been that he's been the best player on this offense. He was out when Zach Wilson was on the field in that one preseason game. He was the one guy that was on the field for every single snap with Zach Wilson. Like, I think he's going to be the number one receiver there this year, this year, at least no question. And then we'll see going forward. From a dynasty perspective, I have these guys that kind of ranked close to each other to just, just hedge on that. Like, I could see Garrett okay. Wilson be the, being the better long-term pro. I could see Elijah Moore mm. being the better long-term pro. I side with Moore right now just because he's – I've seen him do it at the NFL level. I, I know who he is as an NFL player. I also like the fact that you talk about uh, some of their additions. I really like the fact, um, obviously, they drafted Brees Hall. I love Brees Hall. Uh, but bringing in Lincoln Tomlinson, 
sneaky move too. Oh yeah, you know, yeah. beef up that offensive line. You know, uh, and a great run block, uh, run blocking guard. You know, the the loss obviously of Makai Becton is that that hurts, but it's not like they had Makai Becton last year. And they right? turned so, right around and signed Dwayne Brown, who might be on his last legs as a as an old yeah, older is. man, but. Uh, it's not like they go into a disaster situation right away. It's true. Um, so they have yeah, no, Dwayne no, Brown and 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 uh, George Fant there at the tackle positions. They have Elijah Barrett Tucker and Lakin Tomlinson at guard. It's really like yeah. um, they they've done a lot to make life Zach Wilson good for Zach Wilson when he gets out there. So we talked about like you a, mean Mike White. <laughs> you mean Joe Flacco <laughs> revenge game week yeah, one? Dude. Joe Flacco against the Baltimore Ravens. Yes! Um, sign me up for that we sign talked about like up. a no excuses environment for Tua <laughs> I think yeah. if Zach Wilson if he goes out in his average this year I think it's a win for the Jets if he goes out and he, oh hundred percent because he was so 100%. bad last year if he's anything like he the player he awful. was last year oh my god it's Jeez, I think they're gonna pull the so cord bad. pretty quickly <laughs> again again I've gone on record and said he's not that guy I'm sorry. Yeah. I'm sorry, Jets. Uh, Jets fans. He's just to me. Zach Wilson's not that guy, man. Like Zach will, dude. You know, you know who Zach Wilson is. Zach Wilson's Drew Locke, dude. Um, that's I. It's that's hot take adjacent. But I'm telling you, boy, that's yeah. what I see. I see. I see a little Drew Locke in his game. That's not good. That is not Zach good. Wilson needs to learn to work within the structure of the offense, like. That's that was the thing with him at, at BYU. Like people fell in love with those off script, um, out of yeah, structure plays. Exactly. But last year, when we're looking, when you look at him in an NFL offense, and you know, this is a Mike Lafleur there running with with Robert Sala. You know, the defensive head coach Robert Sala. They brought over Mike Lafleur, the offensive coordinator from San Francisco. That's the type of offense they're running, man. You know, and 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 I, I just. He needs to play within the structure of that offense. That's the thing. And I, we just didn't see a lot of that as a, from him as a rookie. And I hate that he's missing this time in the offseason with the injury. I'm, I'm glad that he <laughs> skirted um, yes, a major injury, exactly. but still. All right. Missing time. Missing development time. There's a lot of concern that it was going to be a, a year-long injury for him. So for him to, to miss, you know, even if he misses half the season, that's a dub. You know, that's a dub. Uh, for the Jets and a dub for Zach Wilson too. You know, it's like just because I don't think the guy's the guy doesn't mean I want to see him hurt. Golly, I, I want to see him go out there. You and already called him Drew Locke. <laughs> <laughs> doesn't mean I want to still see him compete. I want to see him compete. You know, prove me wrong. Prove me wrong for God's sake. And I'll tell you what, I'll be the first person. You know this. I'll be the first person to just eat that crow, baby. Uh, so it would be no surprise. Um, uh, all right. So listen, our, our time is running short. Episode number two is in the books. Um, if you want to go check out the website, if you want to go see some of these numbers, by all means, receptionperception.com. I want to thank the fine folks over at Odyssey as well for getting us up and going. All right. For Matt Harmon, I'm James Coe. We will see you. <laughs>